0: You're listening to Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. Well, friends and resurrection family, where was I in this series on Christian parenting uh, before life and ministry got so full? Uh, Let's see, I think I was going to focus on the whole new world of parenting Uh, that opens up in the second decade of our kids' lives. I'm exaggerating just a wee bit, I guess. The fundamentals uh, do remain the same whether our kids are 4 or 14, but I don't think it's an exaggeration to say the landscape uh, does change. Uh, Ashley and I uh, have actually joked about how it was almost exactly age 10 when we saw those changes in our kids' Uh, Never mind the terrible twos. Uh, For us, it was the terrible tens. And that transition into the second decade, well, it had its issues. Uh, A newfound willfulness or testiness or argumentativeness and other not-so-welcome forms of self-expression, you might say. Now, when this actually happens and how dramatically it happens, well, that varies widely in our families, to be sure, but um, I don't think we are alone in realizing that um, our kids were moving into a new phase, and we needed to shift into a new gear in certain respects uh, in our parenting. So that's actually what I want to begin to talk about in today's episode of Resurrection Life, uh, some of the changes that our children undergo moving from the first to the second decade of life. And in light of those changes that our children undergo, some of the changes that need to take place uh, in our parenting. Now, I am uh, reflecting on this uh, both to be encouraging and orienting to parents who are presently in that season, but also I hope it will be helpful to younger parents uh, as they uh, prepare themselves uh, for these changes. It's not a good thing to be oblivious to them, or to be caught off guard by them, and I don't know, you might have uh, seen uh, some parents who you suspected were guilty of treating their 15-year-old like uh, she was a five-year-old. That may be a bit extreme, but it does happen. Parents can fail to recognize, you might say, what decade they're in or their child is in, and... um we, we can be guilty of failing to adjust our parenting to our children's growing uh, maturity. So I've actually had quite a little grab bag of reflections, and I've tried to organize them. I think I've more or less pulled it off by uh, putting them under three heads, uh, three major kinds of changes that our kids go through as they enter the second decade, and then in light of them ways in which we need to account for that as parents and wisdom. Uh, and in love. So let's start with the physical changes. Let's start there. The physical changes that our kids undergo as they move into the second decade and the effect that should have on our parenting. Now, I think it's fair to say from the beginning, uh, in the case of uh, most of us, to be sure, our kids have been growing like weeds. But wow, they go through some growth spurts, to be sure, and, the most dramatic are there in the second decade that is that moment uh many of you have already had it when mom for example realizes she's looking at her daughter eye to eye (laughs) Uh, dad may even realize that he's looking up at his son and this sheer change in bulk (laughs) in stature of course is accompanied by all the other changes that come with puberty Um, manliness and womanliness uh, become conspicuous uh, in our kids. Uh, And I'm thinking right now about the implications of this change of size and form and stature uh, for our parenting. Now, here's the good news. Uh, It does take quite a load off of parents in some wonderful ways. Um, Think back to the early days of parenting, how much physicality there is in it on our part as parents it's a lot of lifting and carrying of dressing and bathing of holding in our laps and uh, tossing in the air and all the rest it's a good little workout for parents in the early years of parenting but things begin to shift Uh, there is increasingly uh, much that our kids can do for themselves and, for that matter, for us, for the family. They uh, can put their size and their strength to good use in contributing to the family. And I'll just say parents of young children, hang in there. Uh, You've got a lot to look forward to. Uh, Your reward is coming. Uh, From time to time, I have uh, helpful uh, men or uh, teams of men in my neighborhood stop and offer to perform some service in my yard, like cleaning my gutters, and I invariably say, "Hey, thanks a lot, I appreciate it, but I have four teenagers, or nowadays it's uh teenagers and and twenty somethings uh, in other words, I got it covered uh, they're going to be home for a break soon, and i'll put them up to that so there's all kind of good things about your kids getting to be quite sizable, but I do think that there are moments uh, when the increasingly manly or womanly stature of our kids can be uh, unsettling for us as parents, and uh, here's one particular reason why I think that is. Uh, Friends, I think it puts all our work of discipline and instruction during the first decade to the test. Uh, It reveals whether or not our children have, in those early years, learned to respect and obey us for Jesus' sake, rather than just because, for example, they're little and we were bigger and they had no choice, therefore. Now, I don't suspect any of my hearers of this kind of short-sighted and unbiblical parenting, uh, but there is this stereotype borne out by perhaps some real-world uh, examples. Child has the question, why should I listen to you or do what you say? And the answer, more or less, and so many words from parents can be, well, because I'm bigger than you, and if you don't, I'll make you. Well, if that's the motive that we've appealed to in our parenting, uh, we are in deep trouble, aren't we, folks? Uh, when our kids heat hit the teen years or the uh, even preteen years. And uh, there are some parents who have a rude awakening at that moment. Uh, To be sure, the son or the daughter who says to his parent, you can't make me. Well, he or she's in a bad place. That's a bad place for a teenager to be. But if uh, that is a child in his teen years talking, he's also probably speaking the literal truth. Parents can't make their kids if they ever tried to begin with in the second decade. So uh, can I just point out right here that this is where parents who have misused what the Bible calls the rod in the early years are in a tight spot. Uh, Folks, physically coercive uh, is never what uh, spanking was intended to be. Uh, and if it was that, it's going to backfire. Uh, when your kids are too old to spank, when you've lost all your influence over their behavior because you can't resort to physical coercion, that, that is the rude awakening uh, that comes to some families. But on the other hand, if your spanking has been a prayerful part of your heart work in your parenting Uh, If it is begun to yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness that Hebrews 12 talks about, well, uh, then spanking in the early years has paved the way for a whole new kind uh, of parenting in the second decade. Um, Maybe I should say a more focused kind of parenting in the second decade, which relies merely on your words. I actually think this is one of the most beautiful pictures of the fruit of good parenting. I've seen it in my home, and I've seen it in many of your homes. Uh, A strapping young man who's listening to his mother speak with uh, some disapproval, uh, and he's responsive just to her words, or a a young man who's able, because his heart is receptive to to his dad. Uh, to be guided by a mere word. It makes me think of that phenomenon in the uh, world of uh, horsemanship, a 1,500-pound quarter horse uh, that's guided by the mere touch of the reins on his neck. Uh, And that is indeed a beautiful thing to see um, a uh, a son or a daughter who's every bit the equal of his mother or father in terms of stature, uh, still being uh, so easily guided by the mere words uh, that they're given to their, by their parents. Now, that's the beautiful part of it, but I'm a realist, brothers and sisters. I know that even in the best of homes, that's not the only kind of parenting moment that happens in the second decade. And Uh, Sometimes our sons or daughters feel inclined to take advantage of their size and their stature and their equality with us in terms of their physical development. And we as parents in those moments, uh, their sin and our realization, uh, we've lost, you might call it, the psychological advantage that we once had of physical size. So what's to be done? Um, Just a couple of words in that uh, setting Uh, First, parents, uh, resist the temptation uh, to revert back to the physical discipline of the early years. Please uh, do resist that temptation. I've already talked about how spanking is ideally something that's phased out by the second decade. I realize that's a judgment call. I can't be utterly dogmatic on this, but I do assert that parents who've started spanking in a timely way and are faithful in it, they're the parents who can put it aside the soonest. And sometimes I do think that parents who see behavior in their kids that would once upon a time have deserved a spanking in their earlier years are tempted to resurrect that pattern well after the usefulness and profit of spanking is over. But folks, you can't undo in the second decade a neglect of biblical spanking in the first. And again, uh, spanking was never about physical coercion, Uh, and that may be the very thing you're tempted to seek uh, in those moments during the second decade when you come up against uh, your very grown-up son or daughter. So resist that urge, and rather, uh, let me say, resolve uh, to put to full and prayerful use the, the very potent tool you still have, which is your words. You know what? I actually don't miss, you'll not be surprised by saying so, uh, all the physicality to include the spanking of the early years. It is so nice to have that uh, in the past. I'm grateful for the fruit of it, and I'm glad <laughs> it's in the past. But parents, um, there is another uh, equally high-energy parenting tool that you're still called to in these years of uh, the second decade, and that's the communication we've already talked about in this series, the intentional conversations that deal with heart uh, and behavior issues. Sometimes that can be just as demanding as uh, stopping what you're doing in order to administer a a biblical spanking. Uh, That podcast that I entitled, When a Word Will Do... um, It was not just about the second decade, but I can say it this way. The second decade is all about that. It's all about the word or the words that will do in the lives of our children, words of admonition or reproof, conversations of concern with prayer. Um, As you increasingly find yourself, if you will, looking up, into the face of your sons and daughters because of their sheer physical uh, development. Remember that your words with God's blessing can be like uh, the very small rudder that turns a great ship, to use the analogy from James. Uh, And God is pleased to bless that uh, part of your parenting uh, as the uh, form of parenting that we do. Uh, In the second decade. So, we start uh, my reflections with the physical changes that our kids undergo and the effects that uh, that should have on our parenting. Let's continue with uh, the mental, or if you will, the intellectual changes in our kids and the effect on our parenting appropriately. So, uh, your kids are not only in this season of life hitting their physical growth spurts, but they're also blossoming as thinking and communicative, uh, godlike creatures that they are. It's all very amazing and wonderful. It makes for, in my view, some of the best days of parenting, um, the times when you're truly impressed with the insight and the uh, intellectual growth of your kids. But here again, uh, this good stuff uh, can bring a sense of unease. Uh, to parents' hearts, because uh, with all the increasing mental maturity of our children can come certain challenges. For example, our kids are not as easily convinced by our perspective uh, in the second decade as when they were little. You remember, it used to be that uh, if dad said it, it's that settled it. Uh, Dad... uh, tell me about this or that and uh your answer was taken to the bank uh every time but eventually um you parents many of you already have seen this uh realize your your kids are hearing what you're saying and they're not so sure they're second guessing it uh they're no longer operating as if you are infallible (laughs) um actually uh, our kids will come uh to feel free to act to straight out disagree uh with us and um you know the first time that happens a, a true uh intelligent disagreement uh with your young person uh even when it doesn't involve disrespect that can be quite unsettling uh, we're used to our Uh, views being received and accepted as true by our kids, if not by anyone else. And on top of all that, not only is there sometimes disagreement with us by our kids, but sometimes our kids are in the right. They are able to see something even more clearly than we are seeing it. Uh, They can see the holes in our own perspective Uh, It may be about how you're handling a parenting situation. By the way, in case this is not crystal clear, uh, older kids will have opinions, uh, my fellow moms and dads, uh, about how you're parenting their younger siblings. They will have their insights about that. Uh, It may be something that you're confronting them about, and despite their own sin, they can actually see the sinfulness in your perspective or in your behavior. It may be about... A point of wisdom, uh, a decision you've made in the household, you maybe didn't think it through all the way, and they are seeing that. All of this, well, it's quite an adjustment, uh, and parents, we don't always handle that well. Uh, a couple of extremes are possible at these moments. Some parents just get louder and more authoritative uh, when confronted with these Uh, critical thinking skills, shall we call them, in our kids. They continue to call the shots like their kids were five or eight. Because I said so becomes the conversation closer. But other parents go the other direction, and they uh, just hang up their authority. They turn their homes over to pure democracies, if you will. They're Parental perspective just becomes one of many, no special preeminence for it in the home. Every man has his vote, and you'll not be surprised that my encouragement uh, for parents entering the second decade, seeing intellectual mental maturity emerging in their kids is uh, in neither of those extreme directions. Here's how I want to put it. Parents, uh, during this season, be especially ready to transition from merely— imparting wisdom to your children uh, to pursuing wisdom with your children. Let me unpack that. Um, To be sure, uh, just as in the early years, the latter years of parenting does involve your imparting wisdom to your children— uh you're 8 year old you're 18 year old you're older and wiser than both by god's grace and you'll be you're to be imparting that wisdom but something else should enter into our parenting uh in the latter years and that's the honest acknowledgment uh that we're still growing in wisdom ourselves we're still seeking answers to questions for ourselves and uh our kids are increasingly to be viewed as partners with us uh, in that endeavor. Now, I've already talked about the culture of conversation uh, that we should aspire to in our homes, and that's especially critical in the second decade. So uh, all that time that you uh, are saving, not having to bathe your kids and dress them and so on, put that now into talking with them, about everything and and have this particular kind of parental posture as you have a culture of conversation, uh, be ready to affirm your kids in the insights that they have. This is so important. you are not in that culture of conversation, always the one with the first and the last word. You're not always the one who knows it all uh there is uh ample opportunity for you to recognize uh and to uh, applaud or commend uh in your sons and daughters the insights that they really are uh sharing this is um that love of complacency that i talked about uh many moons ago now that's something that should be getting deeper and deeper as a part of our relationship with our kids in the second decade, when we are able to uh, see uh, in them uh, the real wisdom that is blossoming and acknowledge that in our conversation. And not only that, but to uh, be willing to incorporate that into our own uh, understanding of things. Uh, Our kids ought to have the sense that we're not just listening to them to be polite uh, but we're actually seeking to grow with them and in part from uh, the wisdom God has given to them. Uh, if you are blessed with kids who are getting sharper and sharper as the years go by, uh, it doesn't mean you abdicate uh, your role of leader in the home uh, to acknowledge that. You remain unmistakably in charge in your home and in their lives. But you can also say to that teenager, you're helping me understand the situation better. I hadn't thought about that. What you've said is uh, important for me to hear. You know what? Uh, In this case, I I actually think you're right. You're right about what you're saying. Um, That's uh, what I need to do or that's what I need to see. This is um, a pattern, uh, folks, that actually makes it easier for your young adults to submit to you when you have to make a final call that they otherwise don't like. It helps them to submit to you when they see this openness and readiness to see wisdom in, you, in, in them. Because when you do put your foot down, so to speak, or make that call, it's clearly not because you never listen to them. It's not because you don't care uh, what they think. Now to this day, I... Don't find it easy to be wrong in front of my kids. Um, it's not easy. Uh, but I can say, despite my pride, in the long run, I do love uh, seeing my kids in the right. It makes me proud of them. Uh, it's what I'm praying for um, as the father in Proverbs uh, seeks it for his son. So mom and dad, you are your child's. Primary human source of wisdom. I'm not asking you to back up from that one minute. But on the other hand, you have so much to learn yourself, and so much to learn in front of them, and so much to learn with them. And this is that important shift that really is called for uh, in our parenting as our children uh, show that mental maturity of the second decade. So I've talked about physical changes, uh, mental uh, development. Uh, Let me last consider some changes in our children's spiritual experience in the second decade and the effects that should have on our parenting. There's a little bit of an artificial division here. I know full well that everything going on in our kids, body and soul, has uh, spiritual dimensions, but... Um, This category, spiritual uh, experience of our children, lets me focus on some things that uh, kids typically go through in the second decade that relate to their experience of sin and temptation on the one hand and grace and salvation on the other. Here's uh, just a couple of observations. Um, Surely I'll be returning to this theme uh, in the days ahead. I want to say first, parents, faith— comes easier for our children in the first decade than the second. Realize this. Uh, Expect this. Uh, Be prepared for it. Now, as I put it this way, I am not, for a moment, uh, forgetting that faith is a gift of God, Ephesians 2.8. So, in a certain sense, you could say it's neither easy nor hard. It's the work of God in our hearts and in our children's hearts. So, To be sure. But I do point out faith is something we are called to do. It's something we do by God's enabling grace. And I'm just pointing out here that there are fewer obstacles to our believing when we are young than when we are older. This is actually one of the great blessings of the covenant home. Uh, The truth of the gospel is presented to our children by those that they are by nature most ready to trust. They uh, most instinctively trust their parents. So children believe in Jesus because the Bible tells them so, but even before that, they believe Uh, In Jesus, because their mom tells them so, and because children are credulous creatures, uh, they find it easy to believe what their parents teach them. This is something God has designed for the good of our children and for the imparting of his grace in their lives from earliest days. It is, of course, also uh, something Satan uses for evil in many, many homes that are not Christian homes I'm just pointing out now that parents need to know that faith gets harder for our kids as they get older. They begin to feel the weight of big questions. Uh, They begin, in that second decade, uh, to be aware of the different answers given by those outside the faith. Uh, They recognize what the Apostle Paul calls the foolishness of the gospel in the eyes of the world, and it sinks in to our kids Uh, that our Christian religion makes some highly disputed truth claims, at least in our world. So, friends, this is when our children can struggle with doubts. That's not uncommon. It's not that that shows that our children are unbelievers. We're wrong to think that they had genuine faith. No, not at all. It's simply that they're finding it harder to believe than when they were young and simple. And they're working through it, as we say. Um, I like to put it this way. If the claims of Christianity weren't hard to believe, they wouldn't be worth believing. Ancient heresies, modern-day liberalism, they have this shared tendency. They're both trying to make Christianity just a little easier to believe, sometimes a lot easier to believe. I'm by no means saying here that every teenager goes through a crisis of faith. I never did as a teenager praise, uh, be to God. But I am saying, don't be shocked if there are questions from your son or daughter in the second decade that actually go back to some of the basics of the Christian faith. Now, Dad, what do we believe here again, and and why do we believe that? That's just part of the challenges that are being experienced uh, by human beings uh, who are twelve. Or 16 uh, or 19. So faith comes easier for our children in the first decade than the second. And of course, um, there's new and more powerful temptations that come in the second decade. Traditional division of the source of those kinds of temptations for all of us is the world, the flesh, and the devil. It has occurred to me that. Our children are dealing with the flesh from the very first days of their lives. Uh, We talked about the little me monster in all uh, toddlers, the desire to be at the center of the universe. Uh, The toddler is dealing with the flesh most uh, conspicuously, but the teenager, along with continuing to deal with the flesh, uh, don't you see, is dealing with so much more of the world uh, than when they were four or six. The world of a four-year-old is actually quite small. The world of a 14-year-old is starting to get quite big, and it becomes a greater threat to our children's souls. We'll have more to say about this ahead, Lord willing, worldly classmates, worldly coworkers, worldly entertainment, worldly media, lifestyles and values of the world that will register with our children in the second decade. I think that's uh, one of the reasons why so many parents fear the teenage years. Uh, it's because they know the world has this great <laughs> tractor beam, Star Wars and, uh, or a Star Trek analogy there, a tractor beam that our kids enter into. They are squarely in it uh, in the teen years. What does all this call for Uh, in our parenting? uh, Just a down payment here for more that's to come. Folks, first, uh, not panic. Um, That's a big part of why I'm mentioning it right now. Uh, There's understandable, there's inevitable, there's legitimate reasons why our young people go through spiritual struggles in the second decade. So don't be surprised. Do not panic About it. But yes, do pray. (laughs) Don't panic. Do pray. I suppose my confession is probably like other parents. Um, I did a lot more praying with my kids uh, in the first decade, I did a lot more praying for my kids in the second decade. And this is because of something that goes. Uh, far beyond the role of parenting. Uh, The more helpless you feel, the more prayerful you become uh, as a Christian. And the second decade is that feeling of profound helplessness for parents as they see spiritual struggle uh, in their children. So redouble uh, your prayers for your kids as you enter this second decade of parenting. And I'll just add, parents more than ever... Uh, Attend to your own heart, uh, to your own spiritual life and vitality. Uh, Your children don't receive their spiritual life from you. They receive it, of course, from Christ. But he uses means, and one of the primary means he uses is your own walk with Christ. Uh, It's very much a means he uh, is pleased to use, to Uh, encourage your teenager in his or her walk. The confession of faith that Presbyterians uh, subscribe to talks about our participating or our communing in each other's gifts and graces in the church, and that is certainly the case in homes, and it's especially uh, the case in the second decade. And here's why I'm uh, mentioning this now. Uh, It's a sad fact that just when most—or sorry, it's a sad fact that when many teens are most needing parents who are themselves spiritually thriving, uh, their own parents are going through just the opposite experience spiritually. Uh, They're going through a time of of spiritual declension. Um, They're drifting from their church. Their uh, relationship with their spouse is on the rocks. Uh, It's a very, very sad fact that the troubles that we uh, find so notorious uh, in the teen years correspond uh, to that spiritual declension in their own parents. So, parents, for the sake of your teenagers, uh, press on to know the Lord, as Hosea would put it. Uh, They can see, in a way they couldn't when they were four, Uh, mere formality in religion, in you. Uh, They can see that you're present in worship, for example, bodily, but not in spirit. They can see a lack of enthusiasm for the things of God, Uh, and this will have its own profound effect on them as they go through their own uh, spiritual transitions, even struggles. Robert Murray McShane, a a well-known Scottish Uh, minister. He made a remark that is uh, now often quoted about pastoral ministry. He said, the greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. What he was saying was that everything practical that he did as a pastor, whether it was preaching or counseling or what have you, flowed out of his own personal holiness. And so he was resolved most basically Uh, as their pastor, to be a devout Christian, to be a growing and and spiritually thriving Christian for their sake, uh, as well as for his own. So parents, in the second decade especially, that's what our kids need in us as their parents, with all that's going on with them, Uh, not only in their physical and their mental, but also their spiritual changes. And experiences uh, this is just a uh, down payment as I say on on more that I want to open up in the coming weeks. just some uh, observations of a general kind about the different landscape of parenting in the second decade. Um, I've talked about challenges, but uh, I want to say here as I wrap up, the second decade can actually be the best. Uh, It can actually, for all of its challenges, uh, be what you come uh, to love the most. I don't know if I can speak for my wife on this. I certainly can say for myself, I have found the greatest reward, uh, the greatest enjoyment in parenting, uh, as I have seen my sons and my daughter uh, approaching adulthood Uh, And being able to interact with them increasingly as their father, but also as a friend, uh, and increasingly as a peer in all these um, development, uh, forms of development that I've been talking about. There's so much more to love uh, in our kids uh, in the second decade, and there's so much reward for the heavy lifting of the first uh, decade. Uh, Many have pointed out there's nothing in the Bible about teenagers, nothing in there about teenagers, certainly nothing in there about teens inevitably being a burden uh, or a trial. I'm looking forward to exploring more about this season of parenting because I think it's the best. By the grace of God, if it's still in the future for you, uh, I want to say to you parents, you have so much to look forward to. But we'll talk some more about this, uh, Lord willing, in the weeks that are just to come. Uh, Thanks for rejoining me in this uh, latest episode of Resurrection Life. The Lord keep you in his grace. Uh, Until next time. You've been listening to another episode of Resurrection Life with Pastor Nathan Trice. This is a ministry of Resurrection Presbyterian Church in Matthews, North Carolina. And if you've enjoyed today's podcast, please consider sharing it with someone you know. Thank you for joining us.